Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Christmas on a Budget, the podcast that ensures the only thing going into the red over the holidays is Rudolph's nose. I'm Karen Fleeting, also known as money-saving obsessive Miss Thrifty. So for this episode, I'm joined by a very special person who has a lot to share in terms of expertise, advice, ideas and also lived experience. And this person is Francesca. She is better known online as The Money Fox, has a a beautiful website and an equally gorgeous Instagram page, themoneyfox.com. Francesca has kindly joined me for this episode so that we can get to grips with a rather thorny subject. Some people think it's quite dull. For money nerds like us, oh, we could we could probably be talking about this all morning long, but we won't. We're going to give you the, the, the turbocharged, <laughs> accelerated sort of 20-minute version, and that is budgeting for Christmas. If you are listening to this podcast and a week or two before Christmas, it may be too late for you, or is it? We'll come to that in a minute. Um, but even if it is, it's never too late to start budgeting for Christmas next year, and it's certainly never too late to at least have a plan in place so that you know what you're going to do when the final quarter of the year rolls around next time. Francesca, could I begin by asking you, I'm presuming, being as uh, as organised and budget savvy as you are, that you do budget for Christmas. But how how did you get there? What have your experiences been in the past? Have you had sort of insanely expensive Christmases that encouraged you to to take another look, or have you always been like this cool, calm, and collected when it comes to to Christmas planning? I don't think I've ever had an extravagant Christmas. I just think. That's not the kind of person I am. Nothing wrong with it, but it's just never on my radar. But I definitely have become more aware of the things that I'm buying and having a really good plan. And I think as well as cutting back on costs, it's so good to be organized anyway, because I think everyone has a bit of a Christmas panic where you think, oh my gosh, what have I actually bought? Have I bought enough? Or is that just me? I don't know. That's how I feel anyway. So when I've got all the presents already, I feel all chill. Like now I've got all my presents done. I can just relax. I do need to wrap them though. But 
yeah, I think I've always been very aware of planning exactly what I want to get and asking people what they want to get. That's something that's really important to me. I'm definitely not someone that just goes out and buys whatever I see. I try to make it very intentional. And within that, I try to keep down the costs as well. I also have all my Christmas wrapping still to do. In fact, you can, if you're, Francesca can see it. If you are uh, viewing the video version of this episode, you'll see it too. I've got like rolls of wrapping paper in the background and also boxes piled up around me because the room where I'm sitting has effectively turned into a, a Christmas present warehouse at the moment. <laughs> Great organisation, I suppose, would only take you so far. We all have our limits. But where, where, where do you start, Francesca? Where do, where do you begin when it comes to planning for Christmas? And when do you begin? I think there's no better time to start than probably right after Christmas because you can really take stock of what you've spent, what everything looks like for the year because I think we tend to forget all the things that go into Christmas, all the extra little bits as well. Like even the food, I don't think a lot of people budget for Christmas lunch, even if they're hosting it. Just all the little bits and bobs so you can really look back and think, oh, okay, these are all the things I spent and then you can use those numbers to go forward with next year because I really like to look at the real numbers of what I've spent rather than the ideal number that I have in my head but I think a sinking fund is a really good place to start and that's you know the small pot that you have that you divide up by the amount of months you have left until you have, get to the spending point so for example if you have 10 months left till Christmas then you would divide by 10 or it doesn't need to be until Christmas. It could be the point at which you're about to start spending on the gifts. Divide it by 10 and then you have your amount. So say it was £500, divide it by 10, then you would see that you would have £50 a month to save in order to reach that goal. I think that's something that's really helpful because otherwise you can get to Christmas and then be like, oh my gosh, I have all of this huge outlay that I need to spend and I don't have the money. And I think a lot of people do tend to just spend the money regardless and then that's when maybe the struggles come in in January time. So a sinking fund, a sinking pot, is that the same effectively as a, as a savings plan? Yeah, it can be a savings plan. But I think the difference is really that you divide it up by the amount of months you have left to go. So it's really useful for the annual expenses that tend to come up. So not just Christmas, it could be birthdays or car insurance, for example. I like to use it for that so you don't have the huge outlay again all at once. A lot of people use it for things like going back to school when you have the cost of all the uniforms and the bags and the shoes and everything that, that goes into that. So it's just dividing it up into small chunks that you save for throughout the year so you just don't have the huge shock of spending it all at once. And for people who are new to, to this form of budgeting, do you have one sinking pot that everything goes into or do you have lots of smaller pots? Yeah, I have separate ones. My partner actually likes to have one huge one, which I do not like at all. And that's just because I like to see everything laid out so I can look at it and say like, oh, okay, so for my car insurance, I have this much saved so far. For going back to school, I have this much. It just helps me see it all nicely laid out so I can see where I'm at with it. But it just definitely depends on what people like to do. But there are banking apps out there where you can split it off into separate pots and you can call them different names. And that's definitely helpful. It feels like a few years ago, you just couldn't do this with bank accounts and banking apps. And now there's, a, well, there's multiple places, m multiple banks that allow this now. Are there any that you would recommend? I personally use Monzo for this. 
I do believe that Starling also offer the same. And I think with Lloyd's, you can also do something similar. But I like Monzo just because that's the one that I started with, to be honest. But I have heard good things about Starling. I'm sure there are some other ones, but those are the most popular ones. And so it lives, if, if you're with a bank like Monzo or Starling and you have the app on your phone, so the savings spot sort of lives in the banking app. Is it a separate account that you've set up or how, how does it work exactly? So I can only speak for Monzo, obviously, but it's we'll say at the top of your account that you can create a pot. So then you literally just click create a pot and then it will let you transfer the money into it. So then if you go into your account, you can see a list of all of the different pots and that's where you can call them different names and you can also give them little pictures. So for example, if you're saving up for a holiday, you can put a little holiday picture. And I just think it helps you stay motivated, but also stay really organized. You can see where everything's at. So it's very, very easy to do. And can I ask when you're um, calculating everything around um, your your pots, your sinking pots, what do you use to do that? Where does it live? Is it is it Excel or or spreadsheet or is it good old good old fashioned pencil and paper and a calculator? How how do you do it? So if we use Christmas as an example, so if we've imagined that we've just gone past Christmas, and then like I said before, we look back at the real numbers. That is the that is what I would say to go off. In regards to everything, you can do this with, for example, again, going back to school, look back at just before you went back to school or the kids went back to school and add that all up, go through your expenses. And I like people to track their expenses as they go along in budgeting anyway, because it can help you to use those real numbers because you can just throw an amount out there, but you might be quite far off. Obviously, if you overdo it, then that can be good because you have a lot of spare cash. You can also underdo it and then that's still doesn't really help because it gives you the lump sum but you don't have enough so you can still get a bit of the anxiety and the bit of the panic going on so I would definitely say to always look at your past numbers and the way that you add that up is up to you so you could do it on pen and paper or put it on excel you know bring up your banking app and just put it on your calculator as you go really just depend what works best for you. So what you're saying is even if it's too late to budget for or put a budget plan in place for Christmas this year it's it's never too early to start for next year and the year after that and the year after that. Yeah, I agree. I think it does tend to change year on year. So that's why it's useful to use the real numbers because you can kind of adjust. So for example, when the kids get older, the things that they want, I think they get more expensive. I don't know if you agree with me there. I do agree. I mean, I, I still recall my, my son for his very first Christmas, we managed to get away with going to the works and buying a, a, rat, a rattle with bells on it. And I think it was something like one ninety nine or two ninety nine, And he loved it. He adored it. And unfortunately, I, I haven't managed to get away with buying him such thrifty Christmas presents afterwards. <laughs> I can imagine I'm I'm just reaching that point now my daughter's 11 so she's kind of like pre-teen so the thing she's put on her list this year I think where have you even got that from I think you've seen that on like the tv where all the cool kids are doing like I even want that um but yeah I think it's just just use the real numbers um and base everything off that but every year you can adjust and this goes for like anything in your budget really so when you're budgeting on a month by month basis, that's when you want to look at what's going on in that month. And I think that's the same with Christmas. So you might think, okay, maybe next year, my kids will want more expensive things, or maybe they'll want 
a trip instead and just kind of factor that in as well. So if, if somebody is trying this for the first time, are there things that they should be careful of, mistakes to avoid? You've already mentioned, for example, that um, people can forget the, the Christmas meal, the cost of hosting Christmas dinner and, and forget to budget for that. Are there any other areas where it's common for people to have sort of blind spots or draw blanks? Yeah, I think a lot of the things that you don't plan yourself might get forgotten. So I mean, things like the work Christmas parties or secret Santas and things like that, because you're not planning it yourself, you may forget that. But then that's when, again, tracking your expenses can really come in handy and assessing everything because you can think, oh, okay, this year I did a secret Santa. I had a work Christmas too. I went out for a meal with my friends. Like you can definitely plan for all of that and even if you didn't do it this year maybe it'll happen next year so again I would just plan everything maybe it's just me I'm an obsessive planner I just plan everything like write everything out but I do think that it helps to relieve so much anxiety because you have your plan laid out you have the rough figure and that's what you want to work towards front loads it doesn't it it front loads the admin so you put in all this work way before Christmas so that you don't have to worry and stress so much and, and scurry around trying to find everything and afford everything um, during these sort of frantic final weeks in the run-up. So I, I agree, it, is, it does ease a lot of anxiety. But I wanted to ask, what happens if somebody tries this for the first time, somebody listening to us now is inspired to go away make their plan, perhaps um, set up their sinking pots, either manual ones, even a manual sort of envelope system, or um, a new newfangled banking app, such as those offered by Monzo, Starling and others, inspired, go away to do this. And when they go through their expenses for Christmas that they've racked up already or from a previous year, their response is, holy moly, that's such a huge amount of money, a frightening amount of money that I've spent and I can't afford it this year. There's a cost of living crisis on. Uh, I'm trying to, to not cut corners, but trim the budget where I can. What would your advice be then? Are there areas of Christmas spending that are particularly easy to, to, to nibble at, to, to trim down and streamline? I don't know about easy, but then this is where if you have the overall view of your whole budget, everything you've been spending... If there are certain areas you look at and you think, okay, I've really overdone it there, that's probably an area that you can work on because you're not happy about it. That's what I, the way I look at it. If you're not happy about it, then you probably want to do something about it. But again, this comes with a plan. I think my answer to everything is going to be to have a plan. Sorry. <laughs> but if you know... This is a special budgeting episode. So a plan for everything sounds perfect, really. Yeah. I mean, I love <laughs> it. My favorite thing. But if you know exactly where you think that you went wrong, so say, for example, you think you overdid it on the presents, perhaps, then next year you could plan ahead and think, these are the sort of presents I think that want. These are the sort of presents they've been asking for. Keep a running list as you go throughout the year. That's what I do. Every time someone mentions something that they'll like, I put it down in my little list and my notes app in my phone. And then you can start to look around specifically for those deals. So I did that this year. We bought uh, an electronic item. I don't want to say it out loud in case my daughter hears me. But we waited and we knew what we wanted exactly. So we waited to look for Black Friday. 
we kept an eye on all the different models on like eBay, Amazon, stuff like that, because we knew that we had something in mind in particular. And then that's when we could really start trying to shop around and trying to find the deal. Whereas if you're just going to buy it, like, oh, I need to buy this. That's when you might maybe overdo it. Now, it wasn't actually cheaper in Black Friday. We actually managed to get it cheaper before slightly before which was amazing but I'd also racked up a lot of vouchers from a cashback site I used so I use that as well so I think it's just there's a lot that goes into it I think but I do like the idea of spending nothing so like Christmas neutral by using vouchers that you've earned so like through cashback sites surveys stuff like that that's definitely gonna be a goal of mine I think trying to just use vouchers for everything that that must that must be the holy grail and they spend Christmas. Yes, definitely. For presents. I, I'm not I'm not sure I'm ever gonna manage that. I, I, I use vouchers, cashback sites and I also plan ahead and shop around, but I don't think I'm ever gonna manage a no spend Christmas. Or if I did, I I'm not I'm not sure I'm not sure my kids would be very happy about it. Well, that sounds like a challenge to me. I mean, let's do it. Let's do it next year. Let's both try and see how much we can get with, just with vouchers. Honestly, I've racked up a lot with, so I really like the cashback site, Honey. I don't know if you've heard of it or use it. Is this the one that um, it, it collates all the different cashback deals and gives you the and vouchers and gives you the best one of the lot? Yeah, but it's a browser extension. And what I love about it is that I forget about it completely. So it kicks in when you're at the checkout. And I always try to think, oh, I'll use a voucher. But sometimes you just forget. You're in the moment and you forget. And so many times it popped up and gone, oh, no, here you go. I can save you 20% or, you know, 20, like quite a lot of money that it can get you. And it will run, you just click on it and it will run through all the voucher codes it's got available. And it not only will it give you the money off that it finds, you'll also get cash back for it. So you'll earn points and then you can convert those into gift cards. So I've been using Amazon gift cards. And I just love it. Well, dang. All I can say is I wish we'd recorded this episode a month or two ago before I began my Christmas shopping in earnest, because I would then have installed this app, Honey, that sounds amazing. Sorry, the, this um, Chrome extension. Presumably it's free and it sounds like it can save an awful lot. Right, well, that's, yes. that's one for me for next year with my budgeting. Or, or when I say next year, I mean straight after we finished recording this episode. Yes, (laughs) definitely. I can send you my referral link so I can get some points. (laughs) Why not? Let's do it. Let's do it. And let's let's revisit this perhaps this time next year and and see how low low we've managed to keep the Christmas spending. How low can you go? (laughs) Yes, definitely. But I do like to get a lot of stuff secondhand as well. I don't know if you're the same. So I like... Facebook Marketplace, car boot sales. I've always got my daughter a lot of stuff from those places because I think a lot of people think, oh, car boot sale, it's just like someone's tat or something. But a lot of people get duplicate presents, especially for kids. So I've got so many brand new things at car boot sales for like 50p just because they've already got it and they just want it out of the house or perhaps their kid just didn't want to play with it. Um, And Facebook Marketplace is like my saviour. I love it so much. You can get so much on there and I give so much stuff away myself because people just want the things out of the house so they want to get rid of it quite cheaply so I try to get a lot of Christmas presents on there as well yeah, I, I also am a, a car boot sale devotee and uh, have, have in the past managed to get my children uh, some really really good gifts from there although I must admit as they're getting older it's become more of a challenge now what they want is um, the latest video games and so on so there's definitely some expectation management 
that goes on, especially when there is a budget in place. In terms of budgeting for gifts, this is often the the most expensive part of Christmas to budget for and can also be the most challenging one to budget for in that, as you alluded to earlier, it's quite easy to get carried away and worry and, and, and overbuy, buy more and more. What can you do when you're making a brilliant plan? What can you do to counter this? How, how do you plan around that? Or rather, how do you prevent it? I think that having the plan and having a list and sticking to it is the best thing. So I think when people feel like they've overdone it, it's when they've gone off the list. And I might be talking for myself here because I've got everything and I look at it and I think, is that enough? And it's really just telling yourself that, yes, it is enough. And I think if you've really gone the extra mile to make sure they're meaningful gifts and not just grabbing everything that you can see, I think that's when you know, okay, no, they are actually going to really appreciate these gifts. And I think when they're younger, letting them know that I've always said that I give Santa the money so they don't just expect that they can get like a whole stream of presents from Santa because Santa's like a billionaire or something. I'm I'm buying the presents, but Santa's delivering them. Well, so so hang on. So so effectively, you've turned Santa into sort of your local sort of yodel delivery guy. Hundred percent. He's not getting. <laughs> I'm doing the hard work. No, I think it is really important because there are, for example, children out there that can't get any presents or can't get very much and I don't think that's actually very fair for them to feel like Santa left them out or they didn't get as much as the other children so I think they do need to know that it is the parents that are providing the money that's why I think anyway I'm just thinking of the children that don't get so much well do you know I've, I've I've asked all my questions now about budgeting is there is there anything else that you wanted to put forward in terms of, of great things that people can do or anything that we may have missed or haven't covered? I think a lot of people, so I've got a budgeting method that I like to use that I don't see a lot of people doing. And that's where any extra income I've earned, I will budget for accordingly. So what I mean by that is sometimes we might get some extra money coming in, whether that be bonuses or side hustle money and stuff like that, but we don't tend to often have a plan for it. So I like to have a plan for it. So I have specific financial goals that I've got going on. And then I, so I will take that extra money and treat it as a separate budget. So I've always tried to just have my main budget. These are for my bills and my goals. And then I have extra money coming in. Those are for my like extreme, extremely important to me, money goals. And I think that really helps motivate me more to earn more money anyway. So if I'm saving for overpaying my mortgage or to retire early, stuff like that. That's what the extra money goes on. Obviously, it doesn't have to be the extreme to start with. It can just be putting small amounts against debt. So I used to do that. If I got any extra money coming in when I was in debt, it all went completely on the debt. So I didn't touch my main budget because I was, otherwise I'd have to cut into perhaps my bills and maybe cut down on my food shop and I didn't want to do that. But in general, I would say I think budgeting gets a really bad rep because I think it sounds like quite boring to people or a lot of hard work. But I think once you've got it all set up in place, especially if you automate a lot of your payments, I think it can really help people. And I've seen so much people that I've helped personally with their budgets. It really turns their life around because it eases so much anxiety. They know everything that's going on. They can pay their debt. They feel like they're in control. And I think that's the most important thing that a budget helps you feel like in control of your money what do you think 100% I agree it, it takes so much of the anxiety out of it 
Um, I think when you when you start doing it, it, it really is a habit that you need to work at, isn't it? Um, it can it is a can be like tearing off a plaster, a very big, well stuck plaster when you start, especially when you do top up um, what your spending is versus what your spending should be. But oh, it's 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 worth it. It's so worth it. I also budget very carefully and uh, keep a, a spending log. In fact, I've got it here next to my desk um, in which I, I write everything. And it, it, it does, it, t- it takes a lot of anxiety out. It just leaves you free to get on with things, living your life rather than worrying so much about the numbers. Yes, I agree. And I also think it helps with the emotional spending or the spending that we don't want to do. So that's why I say to people to really track your expenses daily because although it feels like a bit of a chore at the beginning, it can help you really identify what you've got going on because a lot of our spending is very emotional. Emotional. So if we've had a bad day, we might go and buy something in particular. If someone said something mean to us, we might go do something. If we've seen someone that looks great on Instagram, we might go and do something. But like you, you're not necessarily aware of that as you're doing the action. It's very subconscious. But if you are writing down oh, I spent this, and you think, okay, why did I do that? That's when you can kind of retrace your steps and figure out the trigger. And then once you know the trigger, that's something then you can work on. So I, for example, I'm very triggered on Instagram by certain people. So I will not follow beauty pages, uh, fashion pages, kids' bedroom pages, because I will be sucked into their marketing hole and go on a bit of a spending spree. So I just don't follow them. They're still there if I ever want to have a look but I don't put myself in sort of the firing line. And I think that's something really important to identify. Very sensible. I'm beginning to feel the same about the, the Vinted app. Uh, oh, yeah? Where people, where people sell their, uh, their unwanted wardrobe items. I'm, I may have to, to operate a, a similar scorched earth policy there. Thanks so much, Francesca. And I'll say again, for anybody who didn't catch it at the beginning, Francesca has this amazing website, um, and Instagram account at uh, themoneyfox.com and the dot moneyfox respectively, where you can find oh so so many more um, ideas and great plans around planning as well. So definitely worth checking out. Um, I hope you have a, a lovely Christmas, Francesca, and thank you so much for joining us today. And you, thank you for having me. We'll be back soon with another episode hearing from some of the country's brightest minds and experts on how to celebrate Christmas without breaking the bank. Christmas on a Budget is a laudable production for the Manchester Evening News. It is presented by me, Karen Fleeting, and produced by Dan McLaughlin. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.